The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. From that time on, after Peter's confession, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. He must be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I mentioned in my welcome, of course, that this is Labor Day weekend, uh, which is, a, for me, it feels like a transitional weekend of the church. Uh, it's actually not a, a church holiday, but of the year. Uh, and transitional moments for me, I don't know if this is true for you, tend to make me think about both sort of where I've come from, a little bit of the past, and then also look ahead to the future. So that's what I've been reflecting on as we've been approaching Labor Day, sort of my own past, the last few months of the summer, and then anticipating the uh, beginning of the program year, which starts next weekend. And that, that instinct about sort of looking toward the past and looking toward the future was only reinforced when I picked up the readings for this weekend. These are the appointed readings, the lectionary readings, um, each of which in their own way uh, reminds me of a very specific moment in the past, sort of his historic past, which also, as you will hear, connects to some of my past this summer. So let's start there and then we'll transition to uh, thinking about the future. Uh, as I mentioned, each of these readings, I, I cannot read them without thinking of a very specific event. And let's start with the, the passage in Romans. This is Romans chapter 12, which opens, Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Um, has anyone heard this passage read at a particular kind of service? Sorry? Confirmation, Confirmation perhaps. 
Um, as a pastor, I tend to see some of these readings come up again and again for certain types of services. This one comes up regularly at wedding services. And um, so I think about it broadly or generically in terms of wedding services, uh, but I also think about it specifically related to one particular wedding service, which was the service of Prince William and Kate in April, I think it was 2011, does that sound right? <clears throat> which took place in Westminster Abbey in, in London. It happened to be one of the readings that they chose for their wedding. And so whenever I'm talking to couples about weddings, uh, if they choose this or if they're thinking about readings, I always mention that as uh, an interesting, at least I think it's interesting, detail about this particular reading. Some of you may know that uh, my wife Amy and I traveled to England this past summer, so among the places we, we visited was Westminster Abbey. So uh, again, I'm, I'm recollecting or reflecting up to this weekend about our, the past. I'm, I'm reflecting on that specific wedding, which happened in an incredibly important historic church. Has anyone been to Westminster Abbey? I presume many of you have. You, I mean, you know then that people have been worshiping on that site for more than a thousand years, so that definitely connects us to the past of our faith in powerful ways. So anyway, that's the, the reading from Romans. <clears throat> then there's the gospel from Matthew uh, chapter 16. <clears throat> and in this passage, Jesus is admonishing his disciples. He's saying, you know, you guys don't quite get what's gonna happen here. And in this passage, there is one verse particularly, which again, I cannot hear without thinking of a very specific event that happened in the past. So let me lead up to that. This is uh, chapter 16. I'll start on verse 24. The very famous passage. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for, for my sake will find it. And then this is the verse I can't hear without thinking of a very specific event in history. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? And here, and I apologize if I'll try not to go into too deep weeds here, but what I'm thinking of is the trial of a very famous, again, Englishman named uh, Sir Thomas More. Uh, he happened, it's a little confusing, he happened to be tried in a very important historic hall, also in London, which is uh, confusingly called Westminster Hall, separate from Westminster Abbey. It's near it, it's in the Houses of Parliament. Has anyone been to Westminster Hall? A number of you have been there. Again, hugely important historic uh, room, a very large hall in the Houses of Parliament. It goes back six or 700 years. And among the things that happened there was the trial of Sir Thomas More. He was the highest ranking official in, the, in England uh, during the reign of Henry VIII. You may remember Henry VIII had a habit of taking people, separating people's heads from their bodies. Uh, some of you know that. Um, Thomas More was one of the individuals for whom that was his uh, end. And the trial for him, again, happened there. This was, the, his story was retold very famously in a play called A Man for All Seasons by Robert Bolt. Is anyone familiar with that play? Which became uh, a very significant movie and actually won the Oscar for best movie in 1969. Anyway, in the trial scene in that movie, a man called Richard Rich perjures himself to convict Thomas More. And Moore, who's a very accomplished lawyer, uh, reprimands uh, Richard Rich using this verse. He says, but Richard, it will profit a man nothing if he gives his soul for the whole world, but for whales, 
And the point is that Richard has traded his willingness to perjure himself for a high office in Wales. And Thomas is like, you've just given up your soul for Wales. Anyway, so I'm thinking about that. And again, we had the incredible privilege of visiting Westminster Hall, where I took far too many pictures in the mind of my wife, among them the plaque of Sir Thomas More, who's a personal hero of mine. So I'm reflecting on all of this history and the things that connect us to the past, both my own summer trip, but also the sort of deeper past of our Christianity. And then this past week, I get an email from a former member of St. Philip the Deacon who, who's moved away from the Twin Cities to another state, um, and she's responding to one of my podcast episodes and sharing a reading with me by a, a very favorite author of mine, not C.S. Lewis at this time, but Frederick Buechner. And so she sent this passage and I started reading the passage. And by the way, that's why Frederick Buechner's on the back of your bulletin. There's a quote there. And the passage she shares is all about how we are the characters in a story that is authored by God which means that we're connected certainly to God, but also connected to one another. And this is you know, reinforcing my thinking about being connected to the past. Uh, and I could spend a long time talking about that theme, but this morning, and this is where we're gonna sort of pivot now to thinking about our future briefly. Um, this morning, the salient or important point about this email that I got from this individual wasn't necessarily the content, but rather it's the circumstance. So again, she and her husband move away from the Twin Cities, right? to another state, far away. What would have happened five years ago, four years ago, three years ago if that had happened? Maybe they would visit every once in a while when they're in the Twin Cities, but now, with the benefit of uh, virtual digital worship and all of the other ways we're connecting to people virtually, this couple is, and I celebrate this, they are joining another church in their area, but, they are staying very much connected to what we do here. They worship with us periodically online. They're staying in touch by viewing, watching podcasts and, and following social media. And again, this is making me reflect on what is the future of our church going to look like? And I don't know if you know this, but in the last few years, St. Philip the Deacon, a church in Plymouth, Minnesota, has connected with people, I am not kidding about this, around the world. I'm talking about people from Japan, people from Australia, people from Africa, people from Ireland, people from Canada, people from all of the states in the Union. And that has me thinking about what does the future here look like? And I want to be very clear about something, okay? Please listen to this. I am not saying, do not go to your homes and say, well, I listened to Pastor Tim's sermon. He said we're never going to meet together in person again. I am not saying that, okay? <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? All right. What we're doing here is hugely important. It's critical to who we are as a community of faith. It's what Christians have done for 2,000 years. Gather together in person. That is not going to change. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Thank you. But in this time and place, we have this unbelievable opportunity to also connect with other people who may never set foot in these, come through these doors, who may be all around the world. And that is worth celebrating. Can I get an amen to that as well? 
Now, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, right? We're still living into it, but I'll tell you what, I think it's a really exciting time for the church. Those of you who are uh, participating this morning online, we would welcome your thoughts. We're, we're truly sort of sitting with the question of how do we continue to engage people who are with us, not only in person here, but also digitally. Um, that's a really important strategic question for us as we look to the future. And I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about where, where that's going to go. Now, you may say to yourself, Tim, why does any of this matter? And I will conclude by making it very specific. Every week, we get notes from people thanking us for the ministry of this congregation, thanking all of you for this amazing congregation. Some of them are people who have been inside the church physically. Some of them are people who are far away. And just this last week, and I'm obviously not going to give the name here, we got a card from a, an individual thanking us. And I want to just put this up as a mirror to you so that you realize how important you are in the lives of so many. So here's what this individual writes. Although I am not a member of St. Philip the Deacon, you have been a blessing to me during a most difficult time in my life this last year. I am grateful for your welcoming church and for God directing my path to your door. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting today on our future. I don't know exactly what that future is gonna look like, but boy, I am excited to travel into it with all of you so that we can continue to share God's love with people like this. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and loving God, we thank you for drawing us together this morning as your church, as your people, as your sons and daughters, and as brothers and sisters of one another. We pray that as you move us into a bright and hope-filled future, you will help us always to find new ways to share your love with those in need. And all of this we pray in the holy name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.